good morning. Thanks so much for joining us for TCC at Home Together. My name is Michael Geyer, the lead pastor here at Treasuring Christ Church. Uh, thankful that you have gathered together with others in one of our host homes throughout the community. Or if you are watching online, we're thankful that you've joined us as well. And we would love to invite you to, uh, to join us in one of our host homes here in the coming weeks. And you can find out more information on our website at tccannarbor.com uh, or uh, just text uh, your name to the number uh, that uh, that's on the screen and we'll make sure uh, to connect with you and share more information about those host homes. Well, today we continue our series on relationships, uh, building uh, a biblical foundation for navigating life with others. And uh, the relationship that we're talking about today has direct application to every single one of us for all of us fit into one of these two categories. So the categories are child and parent. And some of us uh, actually fit in to both. And God has a word uh, and a design for the relationship between parents and children. And uh, we see that especially clearly in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Uh, we uh, are using the book of Ephesians as kind of our springboard for this series because as Paul moves uh, from uh, unpacking the, the truth of the gospel in chapters 1 through 3 to applying the gospel into our everyday life in chapters 4 through 6. We, we came last week to the latter half of chapter 5 and we began to see how Paul begins to talk about relationships. Uh, particularly, we talked about the marriage relationship uh, last week and, and he's continuing on now talking about the relationship between children and parents. Uh, we, we just heard this passage read. It's, uh, it's a short passage, and yet it's full of uh, great significance for, for all of us. And, uh, and the, the relationship between parents and children is, uh, is one that uh, has a lot of joy as well as a lot of heartache. Uh, it, it's like all of our relationships, and yet this relationship uh, hits particularly close to home. And so I pray today as we uh, walk through what God's Word has to say uh, both to parents and to children uh, that we all walk away challenged and we all walk away encouraged. And, and ultimately, uh, as we've been uh, talking about relationships and, and looking at God's design for relationship, we're going to see that as beautiful as God's design is for parents and children, it's broken by sin. And it's only the gospel that can restore and enable us to pursue God's good design for parents and children. And so we're going to jump right in uh, looking uh, at this passage. And, and the first thing we're going to see is that Paul addresses the children. And, and the, what we see in verses 1 through 3 is that God calls children, no matter their age, to honor their parents. God calls children, no matter their age, to honor their parents. You see, verses 1 and 2 really need to be understood together. Obedience, in many ways, is an expression of what it means to honor your mother and your father, which is a, a command that God gives us in what's called the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. And we see it repeated as well in Deuteronomy. Uh, and and at, at this moment, I know in our host homes, um, at least in our home, it can be a little crazy as the kids are maybe getting settled and, and perhaps they're still around uh, from worship uh, or maybe you're in your home and your kids are playing in the living room. I, I want, in this, this part of the passage, I want to ask all the kids, uh, either in our host homes or uh, perhaps there at home with you, to, to, to tune in for a minute. 
uh, to, to gather around and listen uh, to what God has to say. Uh, because in our passage here, uh, this passage isn't just addressed to parents. Uh, Paul particularly begins by addressing children. And I want to do the same. Uh, I want to speak to our children. And, and children, I want you to listen up because what God has to say to us is, is really important. All that God has to say to us is really important. But this is something that, that applies to, to your life right now, right where you're at, no matter how old you are. Um, God has given you parents. And those parents, the Bible says, are a gift. And God has given us parents, and He's given you parents who love you, who desire to care for you, who want to protect you, who want to provide for you. And, and God calls uh, parents to help children to know and follow God. It's a really big calling. It's a, it's a really big job. And, and parents really love their children and they love the job that God has given them. Sometimes that job uh, is hard, but it's a really important job. And God has also given you a job as a child. And, and that job here in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, God tells us that, that job is to obey your parents. It sounds really simple, right? Say it with me. Obey your parents. Uh, your parents probably are you know, nodding their heads saying, yes, listen to Pastor Michael right now. But I want you to think about what it means to obey. What exactly does it, does it mean to obey your parents? Well, I think we can say safely that it means that you should listen to your parents. Always important for you to listen to what they're telling you. And then for, the, for you to, to do what they're telling you. For, for us to obey means that we not only listen, but then we actually act on what they're telling us to. It also means that we have to pay attention when they warn us about something. Now, when, when your parents are telling you to watch out or be careful here, don't do that. It's important for us to pay attention to what they're saying. And part of what it means to obey is not only to obey in our actions, but also to obey in our heart by respecting our parents, by, by showing them honor uh, in the way we think about our parents, in the words that we say to our parents, as well as in our actions. And, you know, when, when I think about my parents, and perhaps you think about your parents, I said earlier that God's giving you parents as a gift, and they're called to love you. That's a really big job, and, and your parents, I know, really do love you. But do you know who loves you more than your parents? Who do you think, who do you think loves you more than your parents? You think Mickey Mouse loves you more than your parents? I don't think he does. Do you think, um, I don't know, any, maybe Gecko? Uh, from, from PJ Masks, you think he loves you more than your parents? I don't think that's the case. Uh, what about, uh, for my house, what about Rainbow Dash? You're, you know, does Rainbow Dash love you more than your parents? Absolutely not. Maybe quicker than your parents, but doesn't love you more than your parents. What about, uh, also particular to my house, as well as some of our others, does Blippi love you more than your parents? Uh, nope. The answer is definitely nope. There is one person who loves you more than your parents, and that person is God. And God loves you so much. He loves you so much that He came to this earth. He became like us. He was born like a little baby and became a toddler and a little kid. And He came and, and obeyed in every way, even obeyed His earthly parents. He was perfect in every way without sin, 
And he loved us so much that he died on the cross for our sins. And the good news is that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but Jesus rose from the dead. And that's really good news because in order to love and care for you and provide for you and to help you know and follow God, your parents, as awesome as they are, they're not perfect. They make mistakes and they need a God who loves them to help them to love you. And you know, just like you're a pretty awesome kid and God's called you to obey your parents, if we're honest, we don't obey our parents like we should. We need God's help. We need God's help because we sometimes don't listen and we sometimes don't do what we're told and sometimes we're not respectful in our heart or our words or our actions. And God's love for us is what helps us, what allows us to be forgiven when we sin, as well as helps us to choose to obey and honor our parents. And so here in this passage, as, uh, as Paul's writing to the church, he has this special word for children. And it's a special word that, that calls you to obey your parents. But I want you to know that as God calls you to obey your parents, as he's given you your parents as a gift, God also loves you. And his love for you, you can, you can know that love by looking at Jesus and seeing how amazing his love for you is and knowing that you can go to him at any time to help you find forgiveness when you disobey, as well as to help you choose to obey and honor him and honor your parents. So thanks for coming in and and listening. I hope uh, you'll listen to the rest of the sermon as we talk about this important topic. But before before you go, I want you to, to look to your parents and say, listen up to the rest of this sermon by Pastor Michael. All right, so as we think about this passage and we think about what God's Word has to say to us, uh, it it really is amazing to me as as Paul addresses the church, he has this specific word to children. uh, And he's calling children, no matter their age, to honor their parents. And we see this particular... um, uh, expression in verse 1, to obey our parents. There's a few things that I want us to, to unpack as we think about what obedience means. Um, and and again, this applies to, to all the little ears listening as well as uh, the big ears, not in size, but the adult children uh, listening today. And when we think about what it means to obey the Lord, just consider what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You see, obedience necessitates dependence. You see what it said? It says, obey your parents in the Lord. Similar to what it says in Ephesians 5.22 when it calls wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. This is a reference to the the spirit uh, of obedience. What motivates our obedience and even enables our obedience is a dependence on God and His grace. We instruct our children uh, in obedience never um, apart from consistently pointing them to their need for God's grace. You know, as, as we think about what obedience means, it should never just be uh, some picture of white-knuckle obedience, of just trying our hardest, but obedience necessitates dependence in the Lord. You know, when I think about our children, and I think about uh, even my own story, it, it really is um, in relationship and a child's relationship to their parents, where often they first become aware of their sin. Where they're first aware of what disobedience to God looks like, what sin against God looks like. 
My prayer is that it's not only in relationship to their parents, perhaps, where they begin to understand sin, but it's also in relationship to their parents where they begin to hear the gospel. And they begin to understand that to obey God requires that we depend on God and the grace that he offers us in Jesus. So this obedience is called for in the Lord. And then it says, for this is right. We can see that obedience is God's design. It's God's design for every Christian. Obedience is uh, part and parcel with the Christian life. When Jesus gave the Great Commission as he ascended and he kind of gave the church its marching orders, he called us to make disciples. Part of how we grow as disciples and make disciples is by learning to obey all that Jesus commanded us. So this is true of the whole Christian life and within the relationship of a child and a parent, obedience is God's design. It's part of what God has orchestrated for parents and children. It's right, it says. And in many ways, it's right in the sense that it's just the natural order of how God has designed things. But verse 2 introduces a command found in the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father is the fifth commandment. Uh, And it says this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Quoting from Exodus 20 verse 12 and Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5. And and what, what we see Paul saying here is that that this is not only right in the sense of God's natural order, but it's also right in the sense that it's in accordance with God's word. Uh, you could you could say it this way that um, it's right according to God's design and according to God's revealed word uh, for obedience to be God's design for a child in relationship to his or her parents. And then as as Paul unpacks this command to honor your mother and father, he says it's the first command with a promise that you may live long in the land. And so we see that obedience comes with a promise. Uh, and, and there's a lot of conversation about what exactly it means that this is the first command with a promise because actually the second command has a promise, but that promise is uh, kind of given as a negative to not have any idols before God, uh, basically lest you be judged. Uh, if you do have idols before God, uh, the promise is that judgment uh, will come. So uh, perhaps this is the first kind of positive command or, or, or perhaps... Uh, Paul is saying that there's a particular specific nature, that this is not just general, uh, but specific, and that you'll live long in the land. As Israel came out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land, part of what it meant for them to experience good good life uh, in the promised land that God was giving them was to embrace God's design uh, for the family, for parents and children, and for parents Uh, to love their children, uh, as we're going to see, to raise them up and instruct them in the ways of the Lord and for children to honor their parents, to respond in obedience to their parents. So this comes with a promise. And as, as we unpack the application of this today in light of the coming of Jesus and with the coming of Jesus, if you kind of recall how the Bible fits together, uh, the, the old covenant, which was uh, marked by God redeeming Israel uh, out, of, out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land, it was by his grace. And then he gave them the law uh, to, to help them to respond to his grace and live, uh, live a good life in the land. Well, now Christ has come. He's fulfilled uh, all of God's promises uh, to Israel are fulfilled in Christ and 
by nature of being in Christ, we are God's people and we share in these promises, not in the sense that we now live uh, in, in a particular lot uh, of land there in the Middle East, but we have inherited uh, eternal life. And, and there's this truth that when we embrace God's good order and God's design, that it goes well for us. And, and so God's saying to us that this is, this is good. Uh, you, can find, uh, you can find life in this. It's life-giving when we embrace God's good design. So we see that God calls children, no matter their age, to honor their parents. But it, that's, it's that no matter the age part that I want to press into. Uh, what, about, what about all of us big kids, the, the adult children? What is this passage saying to us? The idea of honor your mother and father. What does that mean for us today now that we're no longer perhaps living under our parents' roof and, and dependent upon them or, or living under their direct authority? Well, the fifth command uh, that we see in the Ten Commandments is, is really rich. It's the, the first um, of the, the latter half of the commandments that deal with our horizontal relationships in many ways. The first four kind of deal vertically with our relationship with God. The latter uh, six deal horizontally with our relationship with others and other things. And, uh, and we see this command to, uh, to honor your mother and your father. And uh, thinking about what it means to honor uh, I was uh, particularly helped this week. I was reading kind of an old uh, book by John Calvin called the Institutes of Christian Religion. And uh, in, in that book, uh, Calvin uh, explains what it means to honor your mother and your father uh, by breaking it down into to kind of three, encompassing three other things. And, and the, the first is reverence. What it means to honor is to, is to have reverence for or respect for your parents, for your mother and your father. The second is, is what Paul brings out in verse 1, is obedience, uh, of, of listening to what they say, and then as we grow older, uh, being able to heed their counsel and, and receive uh, their, their admonishment and their encouragement or their warnings. And then third is gratefulness, uh, gratitude, and, and particularly uh, that gratitude is expressed as, as we grow older and our parents grow older, part of what it means to show gratitude towards your parents is actually providing for them uh, in their latter years and their needs. Can all the older parents are, are saying amen. Uh, you might be texting your children right now uh, and reminding them um, that, that Paul has strong words um, in, in 1 Timothy when he says that if uh, anyone who doesn't care for their relatives, for their family is worse than an unbeliever, that God has put a calling upon us as, as children to, to care for our parents in many ways as they cared for us when we were helpless and in need. Um, and, and so uh, we see that this gratitude is, yes, expressed in, uh, in the way that we would you know, verbally uh, give thanks for our parents and we would appreciate them and our actions towards them, but also uh, by the way we would provide for them and support them in their need in their latter years in life. So we have this all-encompassing command to honor your mother and your father. And I think it's helpful uh, to, to think about this. And um, <clears throat> when you think about what this looks like, um, we, can, we can unpack it by saying that there's a, um, a recognition of our parents bringing us into this world. Uh, you, may, you may not think they did it very well, uh, but they did it. And God chose them to bring you into this world and you wouldn't be here 
without them. There's reverence that's due there. Some of your parents have... Um, and you can particularly look to them and, and give gratitude for them, uh, for the way that they've treated you, for the way that they've cared for you, for the way that they've been there for you. We can pray for our parents as an expression uh, of, our, uh, of our reverence or our respect for them, our gratitude for them. As you get older, I think part of this means just enjoying your parents for, for who they are. Uh, so often in our younger years, we view our parents in relation to what we need from them. But as we grow older and perhaps there's less of a uh, physical need from them, there's an ability to enjoy and build a relationship. Um, and uh, we'll talk in a minute how sometimes that can be hard and there can be things that stand in the way of pursuing that. Uh, but there's, uh, there's a, a taking interest in, in them and their story. It's amazing in conversations. Um, uh, with with between older children and parents, as as you begin to ask questions, you're like, oh, I didn't know that about you. I, I didn't know you did that, or I didn't know you wanted to be that, or I didn't know that background. I didn't know you went there, or you've been here, or you've had this experience. We also can heed their counsel as we grow older. They're they're not uh, bearing direct authority over us, but we can heed their counsel. We can be open to their corrections and their warnings. We can bear with them in their sickness. We can provide financially for them when they're unable to do so for themselves. These are all ways of how we honor our mother and our father, especially as older children. And yet, as I said earlier, God's good design for parents and children is broken and marred by sin. And I know if we all had time, we could all share stories, perhaps, of some of the hard things in our relationship with our parents uh, and I, I am particularly sensitive and aware that I know that there um, are some hard relationship with parents. Some, some parents have done great harm in their words or their actions uh, to their children. Some have even, because of abuse or abandonment, lost maybe the opportunity to, to really speak into and uh, have access to uh, their child's life. <clears throat> And it's important to, to know that even within an honoring relationship with your parents, uh, particularly in these hard cases, it's important that there are boundaries and perhaps safeguards that need to be put up. And an extreme relationship, in extreme circumstances, sometimes that relationship uh, that even you would desire may not even be possible. And those things are, are particularly hard. And I would love to even just open myself up to those conversations. I feel like some of the hardest particular circumstances can even be always addressed in a general way. But I do want to speak to, I think, what I feel like is often a hang-up for older kids, older adults, and their relationship with their parents. And it's just the reality that all of our parents don't live up to our expectations, they all have failed us in some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know, perhaps even as our parents, uh, maybe you listen to this, or uh, if you're older and you have you know kids in their um, in their twenties or thirties, you, you think, yeah, man, it's hard to hear that, and yet. I know every parent, and I'm only a parent of young children. I already have regrets of things that I haven't done for my children. And you just multiply that by four more times, um, by you know, uh, two decades, and you're going to have a lot of regrets. And as a child, you're going to have a lot of things that you wish your parents would have done. 
better or they would have been there for you in certain ways or responded to different circumstances or helped you in ways or cultivated things in you. And Well, if my parents would have done this, maybe this would have turned out differently than me. And there's all kinds of scenarios and, uh, and, and sometimes we can, we can just be disappointed um, and, and we can struggle with the way we were brought up and with our relationship with our parents. Maybe there's things about our parents that just rub us the wrong way. All of these things uh, can be true, and some of them are just true because none of us can live up uh, to, to all of our expectations, even our own, nor do others live up to those expectations, but also because of sin because of selfishness, because of um, uh, perhaps other, uh, other uh, external circumstances that were pressing in uh, on your parents at the time they weren't able to do even what they wanted to do for you. It can be challenging. And I think that there's a lot of baggage that we all carry in this relationship. I've heard it even described that for, for many of us throughout our life, we're basically all just kind of working through the challenges and fears and struggles of our childhood. Um, and... And so we all have baggage in this area in our relationship with our parents. <clears throat> but I, I want us to, to also press in to know that God's grace is sufficient no matter what the baggage is, uh, even when that baggage is too hard or too heavy to carry. And, and I, I couldn't help uh, but as I walk through this, this passage and preparing for this sermon to think about my own relationship with my, particularly with my biological uh, parents and I've shared my story with some of you, um, but as I, I thought about just my relationship with my parents and kind of disappointments and struggles, I remember early on in my early twenties, around the time I got married, I kind of had a chip on my sh- shoulder and thought, whatever I do in my life, I don't want to be like my dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father than my dad was to me. I was just aware of all of his. Uh, faults uh, and failings. And I had come to a good place of forgiving my dad and yet also had this kind of um, kind of idea that I just wanted to be better uh, than my dad was for me. And really a lot of that changed for me when uh, we were expecting our first child. We actually, the week we found out that we were having a girl <clears throat> was the week that my dad uh, passed away. And <clears throat> I called him to tell him um, the news and uh, it went to his voicemail and um, basically just said, call me back and got some exciting news to share. And that was a conversation that I would never have uh, with my dad. <clears throat> and, you know, when, when I came to know Christ as a teenager, uh, my relationship with my dad definitely began to change. My perspective began to change. Like I said, I had come to a, a little bit more of a settled place. And uh, I don't think I had bitterness in my heart towards my dad, but like I said, I, I think I still hadn't fully let go of some things and had a desire to kind of be better than him as I entered into my own uh, adulthood. And there were a lot of ways um, that, uh, that I think as I look back, there were, there were failings in, in my dad's parenting and uh, different things like that that I, um, that I, I struggled with. Um, and all of that really changed when my dad passed uh, because... I, even though my dad didn't take responsibility for me until I was four years old, even though he married twice and divorced twice before I graduated high school, <clears throat> what I couldn't fully appreciate as a child, I began to appreciate in those years and, and the years following of the way once my dad did commit to care for me, he did everything he possibly could to, to provide for me, to give me something better than what he had. It, it dawned on me that my dad's died. My dad's dad died 
when he was a child and his mother died uh, shortly uh, or around the time that I was born. Um, my dad was trying to figure out life without his own parents as a, as a parent. Uh, my dad didn't have a high school education, uh, but never was without a job. And, and would do whatever it would take to, to provide for us and uh, to give me uh, what I needed, even if it wasn't everything that I wanted. And when I went away to college, my relationship with my dad began to grow, and there was more of a friendship, and I began to appreciate my dad more. When I would go home, we would spend time together. And uh, But one thing that always bothered me was my dad would always call me, like incessantly, sometimes multiple times a day just to talk, uh, even though nothing had drastically changed from 12 hours earlier when I had talked to him. Um, <clears throat> I, can, I can hear his voice uh, now. He would, he would call and he would say something along the lines of, hey, Jack Rabbit, uh, you, didn't, you didn't answer my call. What are you doing? It's your dear old dad. Call me back, please. Um, Something along those lines, he would say, and, um, you know, I, I was so, you know, I kind of scoff a little bit, brush it off. Of course, I would eventually call him back, but never fully appreciating even that relationship, as flawed as it was, because uh, today I'd give anything uh, to have one of those calls uh, with my dad. You know, as I look at my life today, I am who I am because of Lewis Geyer, of all of his faults, as well as all of his sacrifices. And it's amazing how uh, deeply shaping somebody's flawed and imperfect love can be. The flawed and imperfect love of a parent for a child God has orchestrated and designed to be used to make us into who he wants us to be. It's not all that God uses. Uh, God is our Heavenly Father uh, who who is there above and beyond anything that any earthly father or mother can do and provide. His grace is sufficient, and yet one means of His grace is the, the, the flawed and imperfect love of a parent. So I know it's not always easy, but I want you to know it's always right to honor your mother and your father. And if you haven't done this recently, maybe it's time just to, to take stock and call your mom or your dad. Spend a little extra time with them to, to maybe have a hard conversation that you haven't wanted to have just because you know it needs to happen for there to be peace. Maybe it's time to kind of put down the critic hat and just be there and enjoy your parents' company. Uh, maybe, maybe it's time to ask some more questions and not just assume that you know everything about them. God is calling us, no matter our age, to honor our mother and our father. Um, <clears throat> and we need His grace. Because just as our parents are imperfect and flawed, we too are imperfect and flawed. And obedience in this way, honor in this way, necessitates dependence upon God and His grace. And so matter, no matter how hard that relationship is, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient. And I want you to know that your church loves you and cares for you and that there's particular challenges and, and dynamics at play and you just need an ear uh, to listen and encourage you in that. That uh, as a pastor, and Pastor Chris would say the same, uh, our door uh, is open, our Zoom uh, is open, um, however we can connect to encourage and spur one another on in these ways. 
Verse 4, one verse, but gives us our second point in this passage. And it's this, that God calls parents to disciple their children. God calls parents to disciple their children. Fathers, he says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, this verse is ultimately applicable to to both mothers and fathers. Uh, We see this command throughout Scripture um, to disciple uh, your children, to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, uh, the Scriptures would say, to to train them, uh, to to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4-7, God calls parents to to teach their children diligently uh, as uh, as they rise up, as they go about, as they lie down, to to write God's word upon their hearts, to to know and love Him. And God calls mothers, we see uh, throughout Scripture uh, in in Proverbs 6.20 that uh, children are are called not to forsake their mother's teaching. We see the example of Timothy who uh, was raised up and and reared in life as well as in the faith by his mother uh, Eunice and his grandmother Lois. We see in Titus 2a the paradigm of relationships between older women and younger women, that older women are to teach young women to love their children. Uh, God's called husbands and wives to, uh, to mothers and fathers, excuse me, um, which are husbands and wives, to, uh, to raise up their children, uh, to disciple their children. And yet there's something particular that's striking here in Ephesians 6, in the, and it's that Paul particularly addresses fathers. Sometimes the word fathers can be used to refer to both mother and father. In Hebrews 12, there's a, uh, an occurrence of this. Um, but here uh, in, in, verse, um, in verse 1, we see Paul is addressing parents. And then here in verse 4, uh, he particularly addresses fathers. God has called both parents to disciple their children. But God has laid a particular responsibility upon fathers to lead the way, to cultivate an environment in the home of discipling their children. And I, I want, I want to, to, to graciously, clearly, and firmly call the fathers of our church to embrace this calling, to disciple your children. It's a calling that God has put upon us that we must embrace, not, not pretending to be perfect, <laughs> but in dependence upon God, asking Him to help us to do everything we can, whenever we can, to help our children know and follow God. And what Paul describes here uh, is really just that. It's, it's discipleship. He says uh, to to build your children up, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But first he gives a warning. He says, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, It's as if Paul's been reading our mail (laughs) and watching our homes, um, particularly as we are locked in them at times, it feels like, with our children. Um, There's a particular temptation for parents um, and, and the Bible tells us that children are a blessing uh, from the Lord, and we should see them rightly as such. And yet those little blessings go around messing up all our plans uh, and messing up our expectations, sometimes for our day, sometimes for what maybe seems like uh, the direction and course of your life. 
And as parents, we have to understand, as we respond to our children, we have to understand the difference between what's immature and childish and what's disobedient and rebellious. And and whether you've been annoyed by the childishness uh, of your child, the immaturity of your child, which is natural, which we must patiently uh, cultivate them towards maturity, uh, or you've been uh, particularly hurt or offended by their rebellion and their sin, which no doubt calls for your correction, we must not respond in anger, nor respond in such a way that provokes them to anger. And sometimes as parents, we can do this. And it seems fathers can particularly do this at times where they, they're pandering and they, uh, they're, they're persnickety and they're persistent on something and, and poking uh, as if to arise, a, to, to call forth a response in their child. And God, God's word is saying, to what end are you uh, responding to your children? Do not provoke them to anger. Do not provoke them in such a way that it builds resentment in them. A book that I've particularly been encouraged by recently is uh, Russell Moore's book called The Storm-Tossed Family. Um, And it just talks about how the gospel shapes the family. And uh, he says in that book, we should parent in such a way that our children see that our hope for them is not that that they are successful enough to look good to our peers, nor that they are well-behaved enough not to keep us up at night, but rather that they, like us, are alive to God through Jesus. The end goal of our parenting should be to see our children flourish in the world and to be alive to God, to be in relationship with God. And so if we respond to them in such a way that we're provoking them to anger, what, what, is, our response, what is our response driven by? Is it driven by a desire to make them feel bad so that they don't do that again? Or is it driven by a desire to bring them to God so that they know His grace and they know forgiveness and they they learn wisdom and learn how to walk in wisdom. And that brings us to the exhortation that comes at the back end of this warning. Do not provoke your children to anger, Paul says, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word bring them up is actually the same word uh, as nourish that we saw earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 5, verse um, verse 28, as it talks about how we love and nourish our own bodies in the same way husbands nourish their wives, this idea of develop, uh, of bring out, of, of consider uh, your children, their giftings, their desires, their struggles, their needs, develop them through discipline and instruction. Uh, it, really, when you think about discipleship and discipling your children, I don't want you just to think about when you sit down and you read your Bible with your children. I want you to think about how discipleship is both corrective or restorative, responding to wrongdoing, to misbehavior or uh, disobedience, but also how it's formative. How it's shaping and directing them in the way that they should go and the desires uh, that they should have and the the priorities that they they should have. And and, and when we have little children, this sometimes can just seem like a a matter of technique of directing them and forming them. But But it also comes down into the way that you, that nighttime routine as you pray with them, as you sing songs with them, as you then teach them to pray, and you teach them the words of the song. This may seem like kind of a rote thing, or or maybe you get too tired to do it, but it's this formative practice that's shaping them to understand who they are before God, and that God is worthy of our worship. And then these, these practices are part of the formative dynamic of discipleship. 
Um, and, and so we are called, yes, to correct our children in their disobedience, and, and we are called to form them all the way from their toddler years to their teenage years, helping them to, to walk in, in not only the, the discipline and correction, but the instruction of the Lord to help them to, to know and follow after God. See, as a parent, you bear one of the greatest responsibilities in, in all of the world. It's the responsibility of shaping and forming a human soul, a human being for eternity. Your little human being or human beings that God has entrusted to you to shape for eternity. Parenting is discipleship. God calls all parents to disciple their children. As you think about this call to uh, disciple your children, I, I want to give um, just maybe three, three ideas or three helps. Uh, this is a conversation that is ongoing for parents. It's not just one sermon or one message that's going to, to set you up for life, but, but maybe some encouragement. And, and no doubt this is coming from a parent of younger children, but also a desire to help uh, parents uh, with children of all ages. And uh, let, me, let me give you these three helps. The first is this. <clears throat> Consistency. Uh, I think the hardest thing for a parent is to be consistent. Uh, you, you say one thing, you set an expectation for your children, uh, but then you get tired and it's just easier to not keep what you said. It, it, it's easy to say, uh, don't do this, and then they do it, and you know what, it's just easier to let it go. Now, every day a parent has to decide what hills they're going to die on, but it's important for us as parents to think about uh, being consistent as we set expectations and standards in our home, uh, as well as we, we are forming our children to understand sin and what's, uh, what's dishonoring and disobedient to God, uh, that we are consistent in those things. And when we set a standard, that we're also consistent with the consequences that flow from that. Uh, and, and so often we, um, we, we allow uh, perhaps our own tiredness or, or other circumstances to, um, uh, to, to just excuse inconsistency. Um, and so no doubt we need God's grace. Uh, we're, we're not going to be perfect in this, but, but make it a priority to be consistent. And, and be consistent about the right things. As I mentioned earlier, you gotta, you gotta, we, as parents, and, and I so often struggle with this uh, as a dad of, of just getting annoyed with the childishness and immaturity of my children. Uh, I, I shouldn't. I should expect that. Uh, as they are growing as part of their own development. And sometimes it's just easy to say, stop being so loud or don't do this, don't do that. Um, we, we have to be consistent about the right things, patiently working with our children as they navigate childishness and immaturity, but being consistent really about what's disobedient, what's, what's sinful and helping them understand uh, really a framework of God's righteousness, of God's standards, uh, as well as God's standards. When we think about uh, what, what God's Word says to us about discipline uh, in Hebrews, um, <clears throat> as we think about uh, His Word to us in, uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 17, it says it's for discipline that you have to endure. Um, <clears throat> it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there with whom his father does not discipline? If we're left without discipline in which all have participated, then we're illegitimate children and not sons. And in and, and, and Hebrews, it says, consider your own parents. They disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness 
to those who have been trained by it. Be consistent so that you can model the discipline of God that produces fruit in our life, righteousness in our life. And then the second thing is, is affirmation of love. Uh, as you think about um, uh, disciplining your children, and no matter the issue, as you, as you discipline your child, affirm your love for your child. They cannot send their way outside the embrace of your love. Make that your goal, that they cannot send their way outside the embrace of your love. It doesn't matter if it's a, an attitude that they have towards you or a deliberate disobeying a command that you've given them or getting caught drinking at a party or looking at pornography on their phone. Do not let them outside of the embrace of your love. Correct. Be consistent, but affirm your love. Don't shy away from talking about sin but allow when you're talking about sin to, to demonstrate and affirm your love for them, which in turn leads to the third point, which is always in your discipline, point your children to the gospel. It's important no matter their age, whether you're talking to children outside of your home or you're talking to your, your toddler uh, on the bed before they go to sleep, always seek to bring your children back to the gospel. You don't want to teach your children to obey by intimidation afraid of what you'll do or afraid of merely failing and disappointing you. That's not the kind of, uh, of obedience that, that God wants us to produce in our children, nor does God want us to produce an obedience without repentance in our children, the kind of obedience that would make for little Pharisees who know the right things to do but whose hearts are far from God. What we desire as parents is to, <clears throat> is to help our children when they fail to know where to go, or better yet, to know whom to go to. That's the gospel, that when we fail and when we sin, we don't pretend, we don't cower in fear, but we come in humility and repentance to the one who loved us and gave himself for us so that we might find forgiveness. Point your children to the gospel. Never tire in pointing them to the gospel. Never, never think it's not worth the time to point them to the gospel, no matter how young or how old they are. God's calling parents to disciple their children. And God's calling parents to disciple their children in the context of the local church. Uh, as, as I uh, look at this passage and we kind of wrap this up, this is a passage that, uh, that's written in the context of the church. Paul is writing to the church, instructing parents and children in the church <clears throat> in their roles and in God's design. And I think this is particularly important as, as this word is given for fathers to embrace this call, but all parents to disciple their children. There are single parents who are bearing both responsibilities of mother and father and trying to figure it out and exhausted and tired. And what, what God has done in the church is said that no matter who you are, if you're a, if you're a Christian, then you're not without children. If you're a Christian, you are not without children. Russell Moore, in his book, The Storm-Tossed Family, put it this way. He said, you're a part of the church, the household of God, a household into which in every generation God brings children. And you either treat those children as a part of your responsibility, 
as a part of the body of Christ, you treat those children as at least as far as you can, are concerned, as orphans. In the body of Christ, God has brought children into the body. And in that body, God calls every believer, whether they are the biological parents of those children or not, to embrace the children that God puts before us with open arms, to love them, and for really for all of us to seek to encourage and strengthen parents Mothers and fathers, uh, family units, as well as single mothers and single fathers, to bring their children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Church, we have a calling, not just in our individual lives, to honor our parents, to obey uh, our parents if we're uh, young children, to, uh, to think through how to love and care for our children if we're parents, but we have a calling in the church for all of us to consider the children that, that God has brought. All of us, uh, God calls uh, to embrace the role of bringing up children and the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And what a beautiful thing that no parent is alone and that no Christian in the body of Christ is without this privilege and responsibility of raising up the next generation whether it's teaching a kid's class or uh, loving on a middle schooler and high schooler uh, or investing in college students and grad students, God is calling us as a church to raise up the next generation. And that's exactly what we're committed to at TCC. And so as we, um, as we kind of bring this all to a close, I just want to give you five, five quick words uh, of application as we wrap this up. A lot to think about here, but the first is this. I want you to take stock of your own heart. The reality is we're all children. We all have uh, some relationship with our parents. And for some of us, we're also parents and have children under our care. All that this is talking about, if you boil it up to a matter of technique uh, and how to relate to your parents or how to care for your children, you're missing the boat. God's calling us first to relate to Him. He wants us to address our hearts so that we can respond in the way that he's called us to as children to honor our parents or as, as parents to, uh, to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, so start by taking stock of your own heart. Then second, call your parents. Maybe, maybe it's a call. Maybe it's an actual visit. Maybe it's a walk down the hallway. Move towards your parents. As hard as those conversations may be and maybe as even as tricky as those relationships have been in the past, don't miss the opportunity to show honor to your parents. And then third, specifically for our parents, I want you to consider your kids. You know, a few, um, now a little over a month ago, we had a, a date night and in that date night, uh, we had some questions for couples and uh, I would love actually to even make these available if you, if you hadn't had a chance to look at them, where we, we ask some questions for you to think about your children, to think about where they're at. I think one thing as parents that it can, we, in our busyness, we can, we can skip over. Just 
specifically thinking about where our children are at, where, where are they at spiritually, where are their needs, what, what uh, issues are we concerned about, what things are we seeing, what things do we rejoice in, what do we want to cultivate in them. God's calling us holistically to raise them up in the, uh, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, to disciple them into who God wants them to be uh, so that they may know and follow Him, but they may also uh, live their lives for God's glory. It starts with considering your kids, thinking about where they're at and how you, um, as a parent, as parents, can intentionally pursue God's purpose and desire for each of your children. And in that same vein, the fourth point is this, just get started or keep on going in your discipleship of your children. We, we just kicked off a, um, a new uh, just initiative uh, that, that really is aimed at encouraging and coming alongside parents to make disciples in the home called Jesus Kids Club. And if you haven't gotten your box and, and begun to, uh, to participate in that, I, I want to I challenge and encourage you to even take that step. Uh, to add it to what you're already doing. It's very accessible to be worked in to something that you're already doing or or maybe just as a a starting point, a launching pad uh, to embracing this call to disciple your children. And then finally, the last thing I want to say is is run to Christ. You cannot fulfill God's design for you as a parent without first being a child of God. And you cannot be the child that God is calling you to be without embracing and knowing God as your Father. You see, this brings us to the Gospel. Our relationships with our parents and even our relationship with our children, as good as God has designed it to be, is broken and marred by sin. But God hasn't left us in our sin and in our brokenness. We have the good news and the hope of the Gospel. That says no matter how far you may individually be from God, if you're listening to this today and you say, man, this sounds so good, but I, that sounds so far and distant for me. Maybe, maybe today God's calling you to fall into His arms and to the embrace of His love for you. He says you don't have to prove yourself to me. Come to me. Turn from your own way and trust in me. But perhaps today maybe you just need to be encouraged and reminded that it's not about your performance, that it's, it's not about you living up to some other expectation, but it's about it, you embracing God as your Father, depending on His grace, so that He can enable you to be the child that He's called you to be, or the parent that He's called you to be, or perhaps both. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how it meets us right where we're at in all of our relationships to build a foundation for us to navigate life with others. And God, help us today to consider our own hearts and our need for you. And Lord, as, as we do that, if there's anyone who, um, who doesn't have a personal relationship with you, God, I pray today would be the day that they embrace Christ as their Savior. And then for, for every single believer, either child or parent, that they would allow the gospel, uh, God, to to renew um, and encourage them in their pursuit of being the child or the parent that you've called them to be. And God, help us to be a church committed to raising up the next generation, embracing the children um, and uh, that you've put in our church, that we might we might pull back um, the bow to shoot these arrows into the world for your glory. Lord, we love you, Uh, we give you this time, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.